Hi everyone, my name is Sue. I'm a full-time working woman in her late 40s and mom to two young energetic boys living on beautiful Vancouver Island. I want to take this opportunity to share my experience working with Rachel Varga. With aging skin and a busy lifestyle, I felt that I needed some serious guidance on how to tackle my skin issues and overall wellness. Since my early 20s, I have made my skin health, diet and exercise a top priority. But I eventually found that the skin and hair care products I was using and spending a lot of money on just weren't cutting it. I scheduled a one-on-one consultation with Rachel earlier this year in May and also attended the recent spring skin camp where I learned so much from the tutorials. During the one-on-one, I instantly felt a warmth and openness and Rachel really took the time to listen and provide practical and personalized recommendations. She now has me dialed in with my products and supplements to support me from the inside and out. After only using the products for a couple of weeks, my skin and hair felt incredible and it helped me to not only restore my confidence, but I am now receiving compliments on my healthy glow. Rachel also provided some valuable biohacking tips for both me and my family. Over the months, Rachel always took the time to respond to any questions I had. I recently had a 30-minute follow-up appointment with Rachel and again, it was such a pleasure connecting with her. Her expertise in the field of skin aging and radiance is unparalleled and I trust her completely. Rachel has changed my life and she has inspired me to strive to be the best version of myself in every way. I can't recommend working with her enough. Welcome everyone. You are tuning in to a live recording here on the Rachel Varga podcast, the Rachel Varga YouTube channel and on Facebook and Instagram at Rachel Varga official. Thank you for being here today. And if you are new to the Rachel Varga podcast, warm welcome. If you're a returning listener, it's great to have you back. And be sure to take a second to subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel and leave a review. I would love to hear from you. As you guys know, I love featuring your reviews. Let me know what you enjoy learning about and also maybe what you'd like to learn more of. Also, don't be a stranger. Be sure to send me a direct email, info at rachelvarga.ca. I'm here to help you along your journey of aging and possibly well from the inside and out. Today, we have a lovely guest here. We have Mira Desi, the ingredient guru, joining us today. We're actually going to be diving into the science of how healthy eating can actually make us look a little bit more attractive. And we're going to be taking your live questions here, so be sure to you know, interact with us here, leave a question in the comment section, we'll be able to bring your comments and questions on live here. So welcome Mira, the ingredient guru, an author, speaker, holistic nutritionist and real food advocate. She emphasizes the importance of a healthy lifestyle through whole foods. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Mira. Well, first of all, Rachel, thanks so much for having me here. You know, I love talking about healthy food, real food, and people forget that our our outside is a reflection of our inside. So I just love that we're going to talk about that and dive into it. Um, My journey to becoming the ingredient guru was a rather twisted path. I actually started in a totally different career. I was a database administrator for an international research firm. And unfortunately, like many people in this industry, I got very, very ill, like really ill, could not walk up a flight of stairs, could not lift my arms over my head, 
unable to get off the sofa to take care of my kids, like just very debilitated. And the fascinating thing to me in, in hindsight, as I began this journey towards health was that I was, I thought eating really well. <laughs> I was eating better than probably 80% of my friends. People would always say, oh, you're the healthiest eater. I know, you know, we went to the farmer's market and we belonged to a CSA and I was making jams and pickles and doing all that homey stuff. And we still had crappy food in our house. And for me, what I discovered was that it really was not just, you know, the food that I was eating, it was the ingredients. And I began to realize that I'm one of that segment of people, I call us the chemical canaries. You know, <laughs> they used to send the canary down in the coal mine to let the miners know that the air was not safe to breathe. Well, we're here to tell you the food's not safe to eat. And so it was really challenging because mainstream medical was not all about the food. Yeah, it's getting there. I'm seeing more and more of our, we're part of a, an incredible health initiative through JJ Virgin, who is like yeah. a health and wellness icon. She's been on the show here as well. And, you know, people like Mira, myself, and loads of other Western trained medical doctors are jumping on board with functional medicine and really understanding how our food is our medicine. So like, I'm so excited to have you share your insight into how we can just be smarter consumers, right? With what we're eating, how we're consuming. So today we are going to learn about, it's not what you eat, it's what's in what you eat, what's lurking in your pantry, and also what are the foundations of healthy skin and eating. But what's really cool in this interview, we're going to be sharing, thanks to your background and research, you were actually able to find a study that looked at, okay, when we eat more fruits and veggies, does it actually make us look better? Does it actually help us look more attractive? And the verdict is yes. yes. So we're going to be diving into that. Like, how cool is that, right? I know. I know. Well, and, you know, I think you're right. There are a lot more people who are beginning to realize that food is far more powerful than than we really thought years ago. And part of the challenge, however, is that food producers people who make, you know, snack food, junk food, cereals, all those different kinds of things. We're sort of up against a really steep climb to get past what they're doing because they have enormous budgets and they spend tens of millions of dollars to figure out what makes food attractive to us. And so one of the examples that I love to use for people is, you know, if you think about it, I don't know, 15 years ago, 18 years ago, when you were in the grocery store, everything was whole grain this, whole grain that, like 18 grams of whole grains, you know, nine whole grains in every serving. And it was all about the whole grains. Now, the big deal is how much protein is in everything because they know that we're paying attention and we realize that we need more good, clean protein. And I'm sorry, but the protein in your breakfast cereal is probably not clean. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Another, another facet to that is... I, I know someone who's been in connection with, you know, big food, right? And yeah. they're like, okay, why are you guys still making garbage food? Why, why are you still making this type of cereal in this way? And uh, some of the answers that I've heard from some of our, our friends in the industry, you know, big health and wellness names, is that the consumer still actually wants those garbage foods. So it's really up to us to be more conscious consumers to just sort of as like a cohort, really start to make better food decisions 
And then guess what? Big food is going to pay attention to that. But still so many people, they just don't care. They don't understand that what they put in their bodies is going to directly affect their skin. And I would actually go one step further and say there are people who do care, but they are having a hard time getting to the other side because food producers also work really hard to make their food very addictive. Mm. You know, I, I run a book club, we talked about it briefly, the Healthy Readers Book Club. And, and one of the books that we read last year was called Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Moss. And one of the things that I learned in that book, which was really astounding, was that food producers actually do studies where they hook people up to MRM machines and then they feed them through a tube to watch their brain light up because they are looking for something called the bliss point. Hmm. They hit the right balance of salt, sugar, fat. Like it's like potato chips, you know, can't eat just one. Well, because they found what that balance is. And so part of what we need to do is to look at if we change to healthy eating, we can get past some of those cravings. We can get past that addiction. And at the same time, like, you know, like you and I both know, our outside is a reflection of our inside. The healthier we eat, the better our skin looks, the better we feel, the better our body is able to function. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. All right. I ask everybody that joins us on the show here, what are your most vibrant and radiant clients doing? You know, the biggest thing, there's actually a couple of things that they're doing. Um, one of the biggest things that they're doing is they're making sure that they're getting enough fruits and veggies. And, and there's actually a twist to that because it should be veggies and fruit. You know, you ask people how much you eat, and they're like, oh, I can eat three, four apples a day. <laughs> like, that's great, but maybe not. Um, you know, the, the challenge is we really don't want to be eating as much fruit. Yes, it's a healthier form of sugar, but it's still sugar. We want to make sure that we're getting a lot of veggies. And ideally, we should be aiming for three to four cups of dark leafy greens a day, remembering that when you cook them or blend them, they shrink. And we also want to be getting two to three cups of other veggies a day. So altogether, we're looking at five to seven cups of vegetables. And most people are really only getting two, sometimes three. So that's, that's one of the most important ones. The other thing that I think is so important for our skin, for our brain, for our body, is to be adding lacto-fermented foods to our diet. You know, these, these are just so good for our gut. They, they add probiotics, they add prebiotics, they add beneficial, you know, elements that help 80% of our neurotransmitters are manufactured in our gut. If our gut's not healthy, our brain's not healthy. And then by the same token, they also, those lactoferments improve our immune system and everything else. And that is going to also have a very beneficial impact on our overall wellness. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is I chatted with a number of gene analysts, you know, over my time of being uh, a podcaster interviewer here. What's really cool about doing these interviews, I learn a ton with speaking with, you know, other providers like yourself, other health and wellness icons across the world. And what I've understood is that based on your genetic predisposition, you should look at getting um, basically fermented foods that are traditional to where you're from so say for example i'm european i have a dutch background so what i what do i do better with i do better with things like sauerkraut than say miso what do you think about that 
No, that is so true. And, you know, there are a lot of people who talk about the fact that our genetics has such a huge impact on how our body processes what we eat and what our body needs. You know, if you think about it, for example, we have um, Eskimos or other Inuit people. Um, we have Pacific Islanders. Both of those populations eat very high amounts of fat and metabolize it very well, but they're very different fats. One is an animal fat. One is a, a vegetable fat, a lot of coconut and palm oils and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, you take somebody who is perhaps from, you know, uh, I don't know, Mexico, they're not going to do as well with that unless they somehow have some kind of lineage that comes from that because genetically their their culture is not predisposed to break those down and to be able to absorb them as well. And as a matter of fact, many of my mentors when I was learning to become a nutrition educator and even in, in you know postgraduate education would talk about how it's really important to look at people and where they're from when design, you want to be culturally sensitive to what their dietary needs are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I want to add another layer here. So I've done some work with a company called Toolbox Genomics. So check this out, toolboxgenomics.com forward slash Rachel. You'll get 10% off of your gene test kit. And why I'm mentioning this is because you were talking about you were talking about fats and not all of us do well with digesting certain fats. Like there, there's many different types of fats that are available to us. Some of us are gonna be doing better with say like animal fats and then someone like myself, I do better with say fat in avocado. But you're not really going to know what's right for you until you test it. So we do have to be aware of, you know, what we're hearing one influencer saying, you know, this is really good everybody's got to eat like five avocados a day and people are going to do that. They're going to eat five avocados a day because someone told them to. And I mean, I'm kind of um, being a little exaggerated there, but really when you start to uh, just really pay attention to what your physiology wants and focus on that, you're going to be maximizing your, your efforts. What do you think about that? How we can sort of test and not guess now? I think that's great. And the other thing is, you know, it, there is definitely something to bioindividuality. You know, it, it's like one of the things that kind of drives me crazy right now is, is there's a particular dietary pattern that's very popular. Everybody's piling on board, you know, telling everybody they have to do it. There's some people who are like, this is great. Like I lost so much weight. I feel great. And then there are other people who are like, I lost two pounds and I feel like crap. Or, you know, someone else, like I actually have a client. Or they've got a rash. Right, the, the keto yeah, rash is definitely something. Rash. I actually have a client who almost lost her gallbladder because she was not biologically predisposed to be able to take in that much fat, and her gallbladder went crazy. You know, this is not you. You really have to pay attention to what your body needs. It's it's one at a time, and bio individual. And unfortunately, that's not really the way mainstream medicine tends to work. And so we have grown up with this idea that it should be one size fits all, but it's really not. Yeah, I think we're getting there though. But definitely, if I were to share what, you know, I work with people all over the world doing virtual skin one on one consultations, I help people figure out what their skin routines could look like to suit their goals, things like dermal rolling, other at home things like red light therapy, test kits are definitely a big part of it. But the, my most vibrant radiant clients care about this stuff. They aren't just doing what the latest influencers doing. They're really, they're tracking what they're doing, how they're eating. 
And I all like you're definitely the type of woman that I love to know. And how can we cultivate radiance? And in particular, I'm always curious. I love to be curious. And what do you do to stay healthy, radiant? Like, what is radiance to you? Because you work with a lot of people online as well. What is that? You know, for me, part of it is about energy. I think radiance comes from within. And I also think part of it is about feeling well. Like I remember what it felt like to not feel well. And when I'm working with my clients, my goal for them is to feel energized, to feel happy, to look at themselves and, and really love what they see in the mirror, you know, and to also be balanced. You know, you and I have talked about this before. We are holistic beings. We are more than just the sum of what we eat. And so to look at all aspects of what we're doing for health, how are you moving? How are you sleeping? Are you drinking enough fluid? Is it the right kinds of fluids? You know, what are you doing for self-care? What are you doing for some kind of mindfulness practice? It's all these different elements that we seek to grow and learn and develop in order to move into our most radiant self. Mm -hmm. You'll get a kick out of this because... The people that I work with that are in their 20s and 30s, they got nothing on women, men and women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. It's it's really cool like seeing different individuals go through different phases of their lives and have these beautiful routines and rituals that really support their body, mind, spirit, energy. So I'm really grateful for the work that you do. Well, and I will share with you because I am one of those women in my 50s. And, and I will share that, you know, I am a whole lot happier in my 50s than I was even in my 40s and definitely in my 20s or 30s. And I have a routine that balances me in the morning. And if I can't have my morning routine, I get just a little cranky. You know, I, I like to do some deep breathing. I do a little bit of physical work. It's usually balance or stretching or something, but I'm moving my body in a certain way. I'm doing a gratitude practice. I'm doing a mindfulness practice. I have a hydration routine to start my day. Like I just, I have my first 40 minutes of the day are mine. <laughs> and yeah, I, I love it because it, but it, it also allows me to set intentions for the day. Like that's the other thing. I think a lot of people, you know, and it's getting better. It really is because we are learning that we are these multifaceted, beautiful beings. But a lot of people are like, just tell me what to do. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And like, everything will be great. And the answer is maybe not. You know, you have to figure out what works for you. But you also have to really find those strategies that work for you. So, you know, for me, it's that quiet moments in the morning. For other people, maybe it's at the end of the day. For other people, it's like, I got to get up in the morning and I got to get really physical. I got to go for a run. I got to go hit the gym. I got to do whatever. Like that's how they start. But the one thing that we all need to do, whatever our starting routine is, is set intention. We need to set our intention for the day. We need to have a drive and a focus that will carry us through. Do I hit my intentions every day? No. A lot of days I do. But, you know, I find that if I start with that, I feel better. And it also reminds me why I'm doing this and why I want to stay on track. Yeah. So it's living your purpose, right? 
And that was really cool what you said, because this is something that I've really just come to pay attention to over the last couple of months. Uh, We've, you know, this is a very interesting time in the world. I'll leave it at that. And I really had to every single morning and night and also just throughout the day have some type of clearing and grounding practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm always fascinated to learn from others what their grounding and practices and clearing practices are. So we're not just a physical body. We also have energy bodies to us as well. We know this through different types of photography, imaging. This isn't woo-woo. So how do you stay grounded, centered, balanced, and aligned and clear? What are some of your practices? Well, so believe it or not, and I talk about this all the time to my people. And, you know, in the beginning, they were like, okay, that's just a little strange. I'm like, no, it's true. Try it. Um, Grounding, like I literally encourage people to ground strip off those shoes, go outside, stand on dirt, preferably wet if you can, and hug a tree. No tree? Okay, stick your fingers in a plant. Like just literally we need to connect with the earth. We truly need to ground and we will feel so much better. And and the other thing is, you know, when you're feeling really bad, believe it or not, hugging a tree is the most amazing thing you can do because you're connecting with the earth, especially if you're barefoot, in such a different way. And those negative ions really help to settle your system. So I think that's definitely a good thing. Um, And then, you know, one of the other things that I think is so important is to to make sure that you're hydrating enough. Like I've been doing this for years. I still track my hydration every day to make sure that I'm getting enough and to be balanced in terms of what I'm doing because our bodies are fluid and they need that balance in order for our electrolytes to be where they need to be in order for, and, and the other thing is, of course, since we're talking about skin, like your skin looks way better when you're hydrated, just saying, um, you know, so those things are really, really important. Mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate to live on a beautiful island here on the West Coast of Canada and I have access to salt water, cold bathing, fresh water. I prefer fresh water with my, you know, private waterfall. I show pictures of one of my very secret private spots that no, if you ask me, I'm not going to tell you where it is. It's like three hours into the middle of nowhere. Good luck trying to get there on your own. Anyway, so what I do is I actually drink the water. And I've done this a couple of times, you know, I kind of you know, dabbled with just a little bit, but like, this is like fresh mountain runoff and I'll fill up one of my, one of my bottles and then I'll drink it. So this is, you know, clean water, filtered water from my home. But before I was, you know, finishing off that, that fresh water, I actually collected. Yeah. That's very cool to to have access to that. Oh, it takes a lot of effort to get there for sure. Mm. A lot, a lot of time, and you know, there, we saw a bear yesterday. It's all very exciting, very, very exciting off-grid living with Rachel Varga. But this is so key. It's like when we have that accumulation of the 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 protons in our body, which are positive ions, it kind of makes everything go a little haywire, right? You might feel yeah. mentally a little bit more agitated, a little bit more anxious, on edge, not quite as soft and relaxed as you probably would would hope to feel. And then you just get out in nature. I literally am turning my phone off for like most of the day now, actually. I just can't handle the the EMFs right now. And see how you feel. Just take a little bit of extra time in nature. Turn your phone off. Ask people that you're with to do the same. And just like bathe in being in nature figuratively, you know, actually. 
but it's 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 really key and when we do that we allow for that extra buildup of of ions in our body to be balanced everything else in your body's going to be balanced as well right well and and part of it too is you know work with what you have so for me i live in an area where i i live it's called a living forest so there's a ton of trees here you know if you live in an area where like i love going into the mountains and I love going up onto the peaks and just closing my eyes and listening to the wind, you know, and there's nothing. So if that's what you have, use that. If you live in an area where you, you know, have something else, maybe you have meadows or whatever it is, but just find what you have and what works for you and use that. But I really believe that those nature breaks are hugely important. And I also think that for a lot of people, it's, it's exactly what you said. You know, there's that great, um, quote by Anne Lamott that says everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes including you yeah it's like a defrag it's almost like just allowing your body to uh, limit all of the external stimuli right that will keep you in the high beta once you take that down it's like whoa this is what we're meant to feel like and uh yeah, I talk about that a lot on the podcast because we are living in a way that we're not really supposed to be living. Mm -hmm. uh, we weren't really designed to be living in in the way that we are now. We're designed to be a little bit more in nature and all of that. So speaking of how we're not supposed to live, how can we not become a donut? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's that phrase, you are what you eat, so don't be a donut. Um, and, and really a lot of it is about paying attention to not just what you eat, but what's in you, what you eat. You know, we're talking about looking at the ingredients, making sure that you're not adding cruddy things to your body. It's about making sure that you're getting the best quality. Like I'm a huge fan of the dirty dozen, those 12 fruits and vegetables. You know, we need those because we want to make sure we're not putting that pesticide load into our body. And we also want to make sure, and, and here's the other thing, the, more, the harder our body has to work to process toxins, the more it dries out our skin, the more it ages our body, the more it really puts stress on our system because our detox organs have to work overtime to get to the nutrition while trying to get rid of the junky stuff that has no nutritional value whatsoever. So we really want to make sure that we're paying attention to that. I also really believe that it's important to get good quality, clean, grass-fed or pastured meats if possible. We mm -hmm. don't want all those added hormones. We don't want all that antibiotic. You know, one of the things that's really horrible is still to this day, and this is after decades of knowing about it, the vast majority of antibiotics in this country are not given to people. They are given to animals that are raised in confinement in order to keep them from getting sick the antibiotic doesn't go away when the animal is processed. And so what happens is if you're eating that, then you're getting low level doses of antibiotic all the time, which is not good for your gut, which is not good for your system, which is scientifically been shown to be responsible for increasing rates of antibiotic resistant disease, you know, and so these, these are ways that we don't become a donut. You know, one of the, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is part of the reason they give antibiotics to cows, for example, in, in addition to keeping them from getting sick, the technical term is it, it brings them to market faster. Mm -hmm. It makes them get fat. So 
what makes us think it doesn't do that to us? Like if it makes them get fat, surely it makes us get fat. And indeed it does. Um, you know, so these are, these are things, the cleaner you eat, the less donut like you will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we cooked us some ribs from the Asprey's farm. So Dave Asprey has, you know, he's living the dream with, with his farm. And the, the ribs that we had, the even the cartilage was like still edible and everything about it just felt so good. Like you just wanted to eat it all. Because it was still nice and soft. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. You know? It was just incredible. So do what you can to support local farmers near you. You'll end up spending a little bit more on your meat, but just even reducing some of your meat intake, no, you do not need like meat with every single meal that you have. Yeah. Um, but but just really focus on maybe buying less meat, but just higher quality. What do you think about that? I think that's a great suggestion, you know, and, and part of the challenge is meat has for thousands of years been seen as like the rich man's meal, you know, it's a privilege. And so to have more meat is seen as somehow valuable. But the problem is now we have these humongous portions of really poor quality meat that's not doing anybody any favors. I would much rather have a small three or four ounce filet that is fabulously grass-fed, grass-finished, happy cow, you know, lovingly raised and humanely slaughtered and really enjoy that than have a huge 16 ounce hunk of whatever slapped on the plate. Yeah, and, and the nutrient profile is gonna be absolutely. completely different. Yes, absolutely, because you know, grass, and here's the thing, most, a lot of meat is actually grass raised. But then it's not grass finished. It, it's not grass finished, right? So mm -hmm. one is grass fed, grass finished. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the challenge is that grass fed, grass finished meat and dairy that is grass fed, completely pastured, has higher levels of beneficial essential fatty acids, which our body needs for beautiful skin, beautiful, healthy, connective tissue, all of that, and also has higher levels of conjugated linoleic acid, CLA which is so beneficial for heart health and everything else. So it just makes sense to do that. But mm -hmm. in order to do that, that is not the most um, commercial, cost-effective way commercially to raise it. And so that's why we wind up with all of these, you know, really distressing. If you've ever seen a confined feedlot operation, it's really, truly distressing to see these poor cows standing shoulder to shoulder, elbow deep in filth, and it smells terrible and they don't look happy. It's like really, really awful. Yeah, yeah we, we have to vote with our dollars. So mm -hmm. uh, if something's cheaper, maybe try and just see what's more important for you. Is your health more important or having chicken tonight from an industrial farm? Maybe. Well, one of, the, one of the things that I encourage people to do, you know, and, and here's the thing, let's be really honest. You can't make all these changes all at once overnight. Right. Like it's really unsustainable because you have to sort of learn your way to the journey. And mm -hmm. so my, my suggestion always when I'm working with people is figure out what's the most important to you. Is it those toxins and pesticides? Is it the added hormone in milk? Is it the quality of your eggs? Like, what is it? Make that change. Figure out how to fit that into your budget. Learn how to incorporate that. And then as you get better, 
then you're able to hopefully make more shifts with your dollars. The other thing is, quite frankly, even though some of the junk foods and processed foods and everything seem cheap, they're so nutritionally deficient that you won't be full. Yeah, you're never full because your body's malnourished. Mm -hmm. And so the you know, you can take a really decent meal that doesn't seem like a lot of volume, but it's so satisfying that at the end you're like, hmm, that was that was really tasty and I don't really need anything else, you know? And so it's it's again about just learning to make those changes. And every change you make is one thing more than you were doing before. So, yeah, and and when we think about that, it's like fast food isn't really that much cheaper. Mm-hmm. No. And I think that some people think that, oh, if, you know, I just go through the drive-through, get this fast food, you know, it's cheap, two can dine for $20. Like you can, you can make a better meal yes. for, for that. Absolutely. All right. My next question. So I'm all about the science of beauty and all that, all that fun stuff. So what is the science of beauty behind eating more fruits and vegetables or as you mentioned before, more veggies than fruits to help us more attractive. Like what happens in our body physiologically when we eat more active enzymes and things like that? So yeah, there was a study that was done back in 2012 that showed that if we eat more fruits and veggies, it actually does have a noticeable impact. Now in the study, they did use Caucasians for this simply because We do have lighter skin, so it's easier to tell if there's a difference. But the fascinating thing was they did a side-by-side photo comparison with, you know, other people looking at it, and they discovered it only took six weeks. (laughs) Within six weeks, they showed the picture of the same person, two different pictures to people, and everybody chose the one after eating all the fruits and veggies which I thought was just the most amazing thing. And so part of the reason for that is because when we eat more fruits and veggies, we're getting more phytonutrients, we're getting more micronutrients, we're getting things that are essentially improving, you know, our beta carotene status, uh, improving our our healthy, you know, A and, and K and all of these things that are so good for us, improving our iron, et cetera, all of those things that, that just help us to look and feel better. And it turns out that it's not just our imagination, it really does make us look better. Yeah. So for me to eat the amount of greens that I like to consume on a daily basis, I literally have to grow it in order for it to be sustainable for me. Because if I were to go out to the grocery store and get the you know six, eight cups of veg that I like to eat, it gets expensive. Yeah. So you can get your own little lettuce plants. There's no excuses here, peoples. You can grow your own greens on your patio, on your windowsills, in your kitchen, uh, create like a little green space for you outside. Uh, do something that you can continue to grow your greens kind of all year round. So if that means getting a little bit of a greenhouse, which you could put on your patio, there's these really nice smaller ones but also if you have the space outside just make your own greenhouse and grow your own and then when you pick it you're getting all of those active enzymes because typically when you're going to the grocery store it's been harvested then it's been shipped and every every day we're losing nutrients in our green so it is better if you can get it as fresh as possible and and so i'd like to add one note to that 
If you happen to have an abundance, one of the most amazing things that you can do is get yourself an inexpensive dehydrator, dry them, grind them, turn them into a powder, and then you can add a spoonful of powder because that's especially beneficial in the winter. Not mm. everyone. Or you can freeze. Or even freeze, yes. Freezing is great too. Um, but, you know, especially if you live far enough north that you have, you know, winter, you're not going to be able to get certain things fresh. Uh, you know, it may seem like it's fresh, but it came from really far away. And chances are it's been sitting in a warehouse for who knows how long. And it was picked underripe so that it could last in the warehouse that long. And then sort of force ripened either when it got to the to the destination or on the way to your grocery store. So having having ways to preserve your fresh is also a really, really great idea for year round healthy eating. I love it. And so the conclusion of that research article that you mentioned was increased fruit and vegetable consumption confers measurable and perceptibly beneficial effects on Caucasian skin appearance within six weeks. So what's really cool is when I work with people and I develop a great routine for them, cleanser, moisturizer, sunscreen, scrub, maybe add some dermal rolling, maybe antioxidant serums, masks, all sorts of cool things people tend to notice differences in their skin within a couple of days of just feeding the skin. You know, imagine that we just put things on our skin that nourish the skin cells and make it feel better and help with cell signaling and, you know, give the skin vitamin A, which is also found in a lot of leafy greens. Vitamin A is a really potent antioxidant. And it's really important uh, for me, for my skin type, I'm a Fitzpatrick skin type too. I burn really easily. It gives me almost an an inner um, additional layer of protection from UV damage to reduce my risk of developing things like skin cancers because I'm very prone to skin cancers. Uh, Mira, your skin type is is similar. Yes. So we have to work really hard to make sure that we're eating well on the inside then we're going to be less likely to burn on the outside. There's even some really cool supplements that I work with to reduce an overproduction of, of melanin from the melanocytes, which creates things like melasma, age spots. And when I take my supplements, like yesterday, I was outside for, for quite a bit of the day, but I've been very diligent with taking my antioxidant enzymes. And I was outside in this beautiful waterfall getting my cold therapy, and I am not burnt. And I, I, you know, I was just kind of feeling out my skin because a lot of times I'll put my body sunscreen on. Um, and if you're curious which sunscreens are my favorite, I have some really cute social media posts. I did a blog article, rachelvargo.ca forward slash blog. You'll see the sunscreens that I, I really like to use. But it was weird because I'd been increasing my antioxidant intake. I burned. I didn't burn. The, oh, the wow. you burn less when you have more of those antioxidants in your body. Isn't that cool? No, it is. And I take such good care. You know, I unfortunately am of a generation where we grew up, and your friends would say to you, "Oh, just put baby oil on you, and you won't burn." <laughs> and I gave myself second degree burns a couple of times. You know, my joke at this point is, I don't tan. I beige. You know, because I. I, I try really hard. I mean, I need to be outside. I like to be outside, but I definitely protect myself by eating well and using sunscreen and making sure that I'm hydrated and moisturized and enzymed and all those wonderful things because I, it's not pretty. Yeah. Yeah. We got to look after ourselves. Our skin is our biggest organ. It tells a lot about what's happening. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when people say, 
you know, oh, I have a hormonal acne. If I eat certain foods like sulfites and wine, I'll get red flushing. It's not typically just the sulfites in your wine. It's all these other things. So you know about dry farm wines. I um, interviewed Todd White. He's the creator oh, of it. It's a fantastic yeah. resource. It's available on the, the blog page at rachelvarga.ca forward slash blog. And there's so many things that we do have to pay attention to. So I want to just give a quick shout out to your first book, The Pantry Principle. You talk about how we can avoid hidden ingredients in our foods. And how can we start to pay more attention to this? You know, that is such an important question. When, when people first start thinking about their food, uh, there's a couple of things that happen. One is, invariably, they say, oh, I'm just going to shop the perimeter of the grocery store because that's where all the safe stuff is. It's all the stuff in the middle you want to avoid. And, and the answer is, there actually are some healthy things in the middle, um, but not everything on the perimeter is as healthy as you think either. And grocery stores know this. That's why they do things like resets. That's why there's something called grocery creep, which right now is very prevalent where I am. Grocery creep is when they take things that don't belong in a particular section of the grocery store and they sort of slide it in there. The example that I have in mind at the moment is it's strawberry season. And you walk into the produce section and you are greeted by this amazing, fragrant aroma of strawberries right next to a little refrigerated case with cans of fake whipped cream and, right. you know, because they want to convince you that you want to make strawberry shortcake for your family. Yeah. And so that's grocery creep because neither that fake whipped cream nor those spongy little airy things belong in the produce section. It's tricky. Yes. Um, and but but one of the things that's really important for a lot of people is to really, really begin your most powerful weapon at the grocery store is your ability to read. And and, you know, the three word solution is read the label, because when most people look at the package, if they read the label at all, they're looking at perhaps the nutrition facts, how many calories, how much fat, sugar, salt, whatever. They're not looking at what's actually in there. And food producers are required by law to list it all. Um, not all of it's good for you. Not all of it is even approved. Like they used to, uh, trans fats used to be on the generally recognized as safe list. It's called the grass list. And what that means is if you don't eat more than a certain amount, it's supposed to be okay for you. Maybe not great, but not, not bad. You could have a little bit of lead today, but only this much. Yeah, right. I know. Keep <laughs> track of how much you're eating. It's like if there's a little bit in everything, like you're eating way more than you think you are. So, so here's the thing, though. Back in 2013, trans fats were removed from the generally recognized as safe list, but they were not removed from the food supply. And so you have to look at the label. Now, here's the other thing. On the nutrition panel, it could say, there's this thing I call funny math. It could say under fats, trans fats equals zero. But there might actually be trans fat in there because if you look down at the ingredient panel and you see the words hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated, those are trans fats. So are mono and diglycerides, by the way. And um, the reason they're allowed to put zero is because if it's less than 0.5 grams per serving, they can say there isn't any in there because somehow magically it disappears. I don't know. And and who sets the serving size? The manufacturer. So, you know, this is where we really, we that's kind of a hidden ingredient. Uh, there are also artificial colors, which are really, really bad for us. They're made from petrochemicals. They're horrible for our skin. 
because we are not meant to be consuming gasoline. They're really bad for our brain. They interfere with neurotransmitter status. And uh, there was a huge landmark study that was done that showed that it increased inattentive behaviors and anxiety in children. Um, so, I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of things. So by learning to read and really, really understand what's on the label, you're able to take back control of what's in your pantry because you can choose to put that back on the shelf and find something else that doesn't have those ingredients in it. I love it. And some of the other heavy hitters that you want to avoid are things like natural flavors, <laughs> spices, like that's a trade secret. Same with fragrances with your beauty products. So if you're curious what's actually in that fragrance, just reach out to the manufacturer of that product themselves and then they'll typically disclose that to you. So if it's essential oils, stuff like that, sweet. But it can be this whole other long list of things that you don't want. So as a general rule of thumb, do you also recommend people avoid things like spices and natural flavors? So yeah, I, I teach them to be really careful, but also to look at what I call the cumulative effect. So, mm -hmm. so natural flavor is key for anything, really. Um, my favorite natural flavor is um, castoreum, which you will never ever see on a label, by the way. Although apparently it does appear in a Swedish liqueur. They actually put it on the label because they're very proud of it. Um, it hides under the term natural flavor. It usually hides under natural strawberry or natural vanilla flavor. Truthfully, there is not a lot of it in the food supply, but there is some and it's just kind of gross. Castoreum is the anal gland secretion of beavers. And, and so they can just put that in our food and not tell us. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's next? <laughs> uh, but, but the other thing is the cumulative wow. effect of food as well, because one of the things that happens, you know, on the ingredient label, we know that the more of something there is in the package, the higher up on the label it has to be. And the last thing they want for a lot of products is to put sugar first. Mm-hmm. And so they will use lots of different kinds of sugar. If you look at the package, all of a sudden you'll see that this is a little rice syrup and this is right. a little maple syrup and this is a little maltodextrin. And this is, I've seen as many as seven different kinds of sugar on one label. And you guys listening, you're all sweet enough. You don't need yeah, to you don't have extra sugar. sugar. No, <laughs> no. And, you know, so, so those kinds of things, anything artificial, artificial sweeteners, artificial colors, artificial flavors, like we don't want any of that. It's not real food any, anyway. Um, mm -hmm. My other biggie is anything with a number. The number just means it's a chemical composition of some kind, you know, polysorbate 80, that kind of thing. And, and the truth of the matter is, my joke actually is there's no such thing as an apple 12 or a carrot 47. Like it doesn't exist. So if it's not the number on your package, you don't want to eat it. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that I would just like to mention is just look for like greenwashing with your beauty products, your food products. So for example, in skincare, it could be all natural, chemical free, right? Those actually mean nothing because gasoline is kind of from the earth. So it's technically natural. Yeah. Water is a chemical. So Whenever a product says chemical free, it, it literally like means nothing from a chemistry perspective. It's just it or yeah, it just, I digress, but it's yeah. well, and, and that's actually a really good point because one of the other things you have to watch out for on the label is what is called front of package labeling. So they are required by law to put a nutrition fact and an ingredient panel somewhere on the package. 
And it's usually on a side panel or on the back or something like that. But they can do whatever they want to the front real estate. That belongs to them. There's no marketing police. No, no. And and so, you know, for example, one time I saw this package in huge letters. It said made with organic blue corn, you know, and, and the organic was huge. And they're trying to make it sound like this is amazing. It's organic. How fabulous. Yay. And you flip the package over. And it's cooked in canola oil, regular Sweet. canola oil, which is one of the most genetically modified crops on the face of the planet. So it doesn't matter how genetic that corn was or how organic that corn was. Like you just completely obliterated any value to that by frying it in GMO oil. That's a really, really good point. All right. So now to sort of like the meat of what we get into here on the Rachel Walker podcast and your second book beyond meditation, which already I'm sold on the book title, you speak on making mindfulness accessible for everybody. How can this help us age better and look better? Because we talked about food, but now mm -hmm. let's talk about meditation, mindfulness, spirituality. Sure. You know, and again, we talked about this a little while ago. We are whole body beings. We are multifaceted and there's lots of different aspects to who we are and how we move through this world. And unfortunately, one of the parts of us that tends to get ignored quite a lot is that introspective, meditative, spiritual, whatever you want to call it, but that aspect of us as humans. And that is such an important part of us. And, you know, we, we frequently tend to live our lives on full speed. And so the next thing you know, like your shoulders are up by your ears and you're feeling very tight and very overwhelmed and everything's really crazy. And if you learn to let go and to breathe, you feel better, you do better, you stress less, which causes less stress hormones. And that can have a very negative impact on our system when we got tons of cortisol and other hormones running through us. We also are calmer, and so we're able to focus better and make better decisions on the things that are important for us. It's, it's really hard sometimes to make good decisions when you're so overwhelmed that you're just operating in survival mode. And so I really feel that whatever it is to incorporate some kind of mindfulness into your day is just super, super important. And as a matter of fact, for people, so I, I'm going to just start by confessing, I am a meditation dropout. Um, you know, I, I have lots of friends who are, as a matter of fact, the co-author, my dear friend and colleague, Carrie McClure is my co-author for this book. She is an amazing meditation guru. Like that woman can just go deep and broad and does an amazing job and could sit for hours like that's not me I can't do that um and I tried and for years I'd have people say oh just try harder you know or there's that old Buddhist saying if you can't sit for 20 minutes sit for an hour and for some people that works not for me so my my philosophy is everybody's got to start somewhere and so I encourage you to do what I call toothbrush meditation <laughs> And uh, toothbrush meditation simply is, um, it's actually a form of quotidian meditation, everyday meditation. You know, we know that we need to brush our teeth twice a day for two minutes at a time if we want to keep our teeth and stay healthy. And so for that two minutes, instead of trying to like read your iPad or, or talk on the phone or put away laundry or do, it, do anything else, if you just sit 
and actually brush your teeth and pay attention to how does it feel and how does your body feel and how much is the toothpaste foaming and what's going on? You know, all those different things. Like what are those sensations? What's going on in your body? How do you feel about what you're doing? It's just two minutes. And at the end of that, you can feel calmer. Now, if it feels weird to do that while you're brushing your teeth, then just find another two minutes somewhere in the day, but sit down and think about like, just breathe for two minutes or just walk for two minutes or, or listen to some sort of mindful music, but start with two minutes. Even that is going to have a benefit and is going to help reset your parasympathetic nervous system, calm your mind, calm your body, and help you move forward in a much better balanced way. And again, our outside is a reflection of our inside, and that includes the spiritual inside of us as well. Mm -hmm. And some people feel that they're not worth it to do these different aspects of self-care and meditation. And it's just, it's really important for us to make sure that we do realize that we are worth it to take this time for ourselves to say, sorry, sweetie, I'm just going to have some alone time or you know, I'll be back at this time, I need to go out in the woods and get off. like, I have to do that for my own sanity, so that I can stay a balanced individual. And this looks different for everybody going for a jog, going for a bike ride, doing your yoga, reading your book, taking a bath. But sometimes and, you just need to close the door and have that time to yourself. And, and really, if you look at it, it's kind of like what they tell you every time you get on an airplane, you know, in the event of an emergency, put on your own mask first. Well, Self-care and and this kind of mindfulness practice, this is essentially putting on your own oxygen mask. Yeah, you got to do it, especially now. Yes. All right. Do you have any closing words for us today, Mira? You know, I think the biggest thing is for people to realize that, you know, you have so much power and to reclaim that power for yourself and, and reclaim your pantry, reclaim your health, reclaim your home, reclaim your life by making these small changes one at a time to mindfully think about how you're feeding your body, how you're feeding your mind and to move forward from there and remember that it's baby steps. Every single step counts. I love it. And where can we learn more about you? So uh, you can check me out on YouTube. I have a channel, The Ingredient Guru, and I share a whole bunch of really fun and interesting stuff there. I have several different um, different playlists going. And then uh, the other thing is I would love for your people to join my Healthy Readers Book Club. So I'm giving away one year free. We read 10 amazing books every year. And they are really fun and fascinating. We learn neat stuff and have some very interesting discussions. Mm -hmm. I think this is a fantastic resource to share with everyone. Well, thank you, Mira, for joining us today on this episode here on the Rachel Varga podcast. We went live on the YouTube channel and on the Facebook page. We were able to answer a number of really interesting questions sort of all pertaining to, you know, what should we be eating? What should we be avoiding? Why are certain antioxidants good for us? You know, the foundations of healthy skin and healthy eating. 
And please go ahead and make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, YouTube channel, leave a review or a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a question that you might have through social media at Rachel Varga Official on Facebook and Instagram, or just send me an email, info at rachelvarga.ca. I'm here to answer your skin questions. And if you haven't already, be sure to book your one-on-one virtual skin consultation to help me go through, you know, what you could be doing at home to optimize your routine to reduce things like acne, rosacea, brown spots, low brows, hooded eyelids, accelerated aging. And I'm all about just giving you guys the educational information that you need to make the best decisions for you. If you think you have a health condition, be sure to see your physician. What we talk about here is not medical advice, but it's just to help supplement what you're doing in your daily living practices. So thank you so much, Mira. And your book club offer sounds like so much fun. So you can access that at theingredientguru.com forward slash HR10. And that link is going to be shared in the description box as well. Well, thank you for joining us today, Mira. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for having me here, Rachel. It was fun talking with you. We'll see you guys in the next episode.